There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pilot Episodes, your weekly, no, monthly, maybe six-weekly, we don't really know, dose of aviation podcast. I am joined, as always, by my three pilots... I'll start off with Dunk. Dunk, how are you? I am absolutely fabulous, thanks, JB. And tell me, what have you been doing? How, who have you been instructing and what have you been instructing them in? Well, I've been doing... Uh, what, you know, since uh, since I last saw you, I, I haven't really been instructing. I've been assessing. Ooh. I've been the miserable assessor of people's instructional ability. But it's been great fun. So, so um, since we last spoke, I... Uh, God, is is leaning forward intently. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, I went off to the uh, the United States of America on a whistle-stop tour. Oh, wow. Uh, over to go and look at some very interesting and exciting stuff, which we could talk about a little later if you want. Yes, please. Um, some of it is virtual reality uh, training from a uh, an outfit that the United States is uh, is trialing called Pilot Training Next. Ooh. So that's very interesting. We'll come bang on about that for a bit. Um, and then I went on a road trip up to uh, a place called Shepherd Air Force Base where they run. Um, it's one of Parky's, uh, Parky's favourite things because he went and did his training there, a place called NJEPS, which is... Uh, <laughs> Parky gets really wound up because I put an S on the end of it. Uh, but uh, it is the... Um, firm, it is NJEPT. NJEPT. He gets very... I don't know why he gets so irate it's a, it's about a bizarre, it. It's a bizarre it's trait he has. But it means that whenever we mention it, we should call it NJEPTS. I've made sure that I have done <laughs> ever since. It's absolutely marvellous. Anyway, so that's where they do um, European... Um, uh, combined jet training effectively so they they do it on texan and the t-38 which is uh it, the the two-seat version of your in top gun which i think you'll, you perhaps will uh, tell us about a little later in top gun uh the film if you remember the the, the mig 28s do you remember those uh the mig 28s yeah the mig 28s the black ones with a big star on the oh tail. right yeah okay because they didn't yeah, exist 6g negative pushover <laughs> 6g negative pushover so uh basics jb basics so um that those are the single seat version of the t38 which is what they do the training on oh. so it's what parky trained on and uh we were looking to see whether we would uh send uh british instructors and students over there to start training so uh, that was great I then came straight back from that, and I've been then two weeks at RAF Valley, uh, and uh, I was uh, assuring 
the instructional standards of the guys there so lots of t2 flying which was really good so everything from combat to low level to circuit flying um so did that which was ace uh, and then on monday I, I had an absolutely great time i went to scampton i had to go and fly with the guys that are going to teach the new new additions to the red arrows so the guys that are just joining the team um, I had to go and assess their teaching of the new Red Arrows maneuvers. So for the first time in 13 years, I went and got in a, a Hawk, the front seat of a Hawk T1. Oh, and nice. I, I, was, I was Red 3 again. It was ace. So uh, I spent Monday, I flew three trips with the Reds, with these boys doing low-level arrows and uh, low-level PFLs and uh, RAFAT breaks. So it was, uh, it was brilliant. So the flying side has been really, really good. But Did you still the... forget your smoke, Dunk? <laughs> as always yeah smoke it was erratic to no. say the to, to, to say the least i have a quick question um, about smoke and we might have and um, we might have discussed this before but do you know the french display team when they do the tricolor yeah now did you notice the other week that they did the tricolor except for on the, one of the outside colors one of the guys either got his smokes wrong and did a red smoke but then somebody else told me that they do that to commemorate the war dead was it wrong or do they commemorate the war dead like that? No, I, I, I've never seen them commemorate the war dead like that before. I it, think it was probably wrong. Oh, dear. I, I saw some banter on Twitter that he pigsed. Yeah, I think he pressed the wrong button. Devastated. Damn yeah. good excuse, though, isn't it? Yeah, let's, what, what can we make up? Uh, they'll it, never banter us if we well, say it was the war dead. It's <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just not a tradition, though. Yeah, exactly. We've all got to do it now. Brilliant. So aside from the flying, though, I've got a couple of other things, both of which involve Parkinson. Excellent. All right. So the first thing was on a I got a surprise last minute ticket to go and watch the film Spitfire last night, which was brilliant. It was just fantastic. Beautifully filmed. Of course, beautiful aeroplane. But the best bit, of course, was all our mates, the veterans that we've known over the years, uh, talking about flying. It was just marvellous. It's quite emotional, to be honest. And then, um, uh, of course, was, uh, had a, a very fleeting part in that taxing pass, but uh, looking very cool in his Spitfire. And, and this is the, for debate. I oh, think, oh, hang on. I know what's going on. Uh, go on. Talking about looking cool uh i think oh, we have... hold oh, yes. hold there duncan hold there duncan enough because i might as well in uh introduce parky now parky <laughs> how are you hang on a minute no so... no no, no, no. <laughs> come on parky Hello. Oh, he's, he's got a line he's been saving this up that's why i didn't want me to mention it. so parky parky you need to get a social media account mate you are famous what have you been doing mate <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> uh, I think I know where this one's going to go, but I'll blindly ignore it at the moment, and uh, hopefully you'll all forget. Yes, you're yeah. probably right. Uh, yeah, yeah. You probably will. Yeah, but I've been, I've been, uh, you know, same old, same old. Done a bit of uh, spit flying. This kind of season's just about coming to an end, so I've got another couple of days in October. Uh, and that's it. But now it's been lovely. The uh, weather's been pretty cool, and the Spitfire's been going well. So uh, yeah, doing that. So wh- when my you mate takes about one minute, and Dunks takes about twenty. By the way, so that's yours is the same every time. <laughs> I've just been uh, twenty hours of Spitfire flying. Mostly, uh, in fact, I've done nothing else. I've just been sat in the Spitfire all the time, flying around. 
Uh, anything else you've done, mate? Anything at all? Parker, you All right, interesting. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's see what God, what has God has been up to. Hello, Godders. Hello. Um, getting trains and forgetting about podcasts and, oh, and running terrible. home and stuff. Terrible. Uh, Oh, no. Um, I've had an interesting couple of weeks, actually. That uh, I've actually got in some aeroplanes. Um, they're generally flown by other people. Uh, I went up to the Hebrides yesterday. Yeah, this sounds really interesting. To go and look at a missile range, which was very interesting um, for someone who flies a desk at the moment, like me. Mm. Um, and I did see Parky's little face, although we didn't get to go and actually speak to each other, um, at Tuxford Airshow, a rainy airshow two weekends ago which what was, was wearing goddess yeah what was you wearing uh, I, I couldn't quite see from where i was but then i subsequently saw a picture that we, we may be talking about uh, in a bit um and i forgot it's, to it's mention been... i was at the Duxford air show yeah, that was it that was it yeah, yes yeah so you I had yeah, yeah you forgot to mention that you'd flown in an 18 ship of spitfires i mean is that right i did do that forgets about that. that sort of thing yeah. Yeah, that was good fun. Complaining, yeah. it's like, oh, don't get to massive intro. I, I don't get anything. No, tell yeah, us what you're doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I flew at Dunksford. Oh, yeah. 18 <laughs> ships. So, I mean, that must be pretty much as big as you can get any Spitfire formation on the planet right now. Brilliant. It was, uh, you know, the sort of, you know, we all cranked up together and taxiing takeoff, and it's just 18 Spits getting airborne and. Uh, it's brilliant. Yeah, there was some amusing. Did you get scared on landing? Uh, no, that one. The, run the down by Sunday. Were you there Sunday or Saturday? No, Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. It was all across. It was a little bit crosswindy, but it was uh, no. It was it was uh, all good. Particularly pleasurable on uh, Saturday, and it wasn't raining. What was the What was the latest mark of spit which they've got flying there? Uh, the Mark 18, I think, was probably the latest. I think there was just maybe there was a 14, so a couple of Griffins, and uh, nice. the rest were, you know, ones, twos, ones, fives, nines, sixteens, I guess. Hmm. But it was good. How did it look on the ground? Oh, I'd gone by then, mate. Don't <laughs> 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 stick around for that sort of stuff. No. I didn't know it was going. I had no idea what was going on at, the, at this air show. Things would just come along and waz around the place. And uh, I was hosting in, uh, it was a, an RF100 event. So uh, I was doing hosting and sneaking out every now and again to see oh, some brilliant airplanes. I loved, Parker, did you see the Lysander flying around the place? Um, you know, the, the, the two vampires with the jet provost. Uh, there was tons of old stuff. I love that flipping that air show. Parker, most of it out the window. The, uh... Would you be the F-35 with the Hester and the GR-4, the 617 Squadron tribute? Yes. That was, that was awesome. That was brilliant. Which was now, nice. Now, Porky, that Mark 19 Spitfire, is that the one in Sky Blue? Uh, it was a Mark 18. No, it's a, it's a silver Mark 18 Spitfire. Oh, is it? I'm just, I, I've just looked up the Mark, uh, Mark 19 here, and I'm, I'm looking at this aircraft, and I'm sure it's the same one that flew... Side by side with Concord on its last flight into Filton. What's the uh, what's the registration of it? Uh, let me see. Nine one five or eight five three. Mm. What's the Rolls Royce one? 
I can't. Yeah. Uh, Pierre, oh, no. PS583? Rolls Royce. Hmm. Yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah. Sorry, so you were at Missile Range, Goddess? Yes, I was. Yeah, we uh, we had the trip up there um, just to go and look around the place and see um, really what they do up there because we've got a pretty large training bill coming up with um, F-35s back in the country with um, uh, the carrier and the carrier strike groups, all the ships that that uh, are in and around that uh, that strike group that, um, you know, up and around that area is, is just a fantastic place to train and uh, it was really good you know having i'm sure the boys have done as well but uh, you know over the last few years having shot a couple of missiles at flare packs for example towed by a you know a little target drone mm. i was actually able to go and see these things you, uh, do you remember the mirac and the uh, the banshee fellas yeah i forgot about the jindy the jindy was practically real size wasn't it yeah, so what are, what are these things? You're gonna to have to tell me. Well, so they're uh, they're essentially they're small jet model aircraft um, that have all sorts of capabilities. On uh, not least to be able to tow a flare pack, for example, behind them. So back in the day, we'd go out into uh, into one of these missile ranges. Um, you would get talked on, or if you're in a radar equipped area, find it yourself. Um, they drop the flare pack, and you would shoot one of your live missiles at it because you all used to get um, generally about one uh, one a tour, I think it is, uh, to go and shoot, so that you knew what it was like and um, uh, and were nervous about it if you're real. Oh, nice! Now you told me you saw some sort of launch system. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, um, you know, it's a, a, a launcher they've got up there for a, a, a particular type of target, which is goes quite high and quite fast, um, which uh, just uh, because of where it is in the Hebrides is a, uh, you know, and they can clear the range out there. There's obviously not a lot around. I mean, it was an absolutely beautiful place, absolutely stunning, even in the uh, 30 knot wind. But the... Um, uh, yeah, so it, it, it was just one of a bunch of different types of, uh, of target arrays that they've got. They then have got a sort of uh, – they can track all sorts of stuff, instrumentation, and uh, you know, a really cool place for an aviation geek. It sounds amazing. So, I mean, I don't know if you're breaking some sort of national security code here, but um, you kind of described where you were. In fact, in fact you, you sent me a, a location on WhatsApp. But bloody hell, you're miles away. So how many personnel are out there? Oh, they've got. I mean, it's it's run by a company called Kinetic. Um, they've got probably uh, you know fifty to one hundred. It depends what they're they're, they're doing at any one time. Um, but what was really interesting was uh, just in the airport on the way back, looking at what was RAF Bembecula, and there was a um, a picture of. Uh, I took a photo of it actually. I'll, I'll have to up um, Twitter feed. It was a picture of a coastal command painted. B-17 without oh, nice. a lower turret from 1940 and uh, the range of aeroplanes that they flew out there in coastal command during the Second World War. Um, you know, I, I, the boys will know Ben Beckula with Stornoway just up the way as well. I've never been in there on the ground. I don't know whether you guys have. No. Um, maybe. But yeah, you can even remember Duxford, so I, I'm not... <laughs> Ben, ben Beckler is Parky's forward deployment base for anything operational, isn't it? That's about as far as he'll go. 
It's like <laughs> anything over six. Well, I'm not going past <laughs> Ben Beckler. That's true. That's where he was last operation uh, on operation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, getting some rather offensive messages from Mason that I was looking at as well. Yes, you're you're right. That, that is offensive. Hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, so I was I was looking at the the squadrons that flew out of there during the uh, the war, and they flew Hudson's uh, Flying Fortress, Swordfish, Wellington, uh, and Wellingtons until the end of the war. Um, so there was a ton of people and put a load of infrastructure in around that area um, that's still there today. Amazing! So it, it was a really good visit. It was just it was really nice to be back in Scotland um, and back in the wilds over there. Yeah, and, and it is a fantastic track base. You know, when you look at the amount of area of of range space that they can uh, they can open up. It's just brilliant. So that's not the only thing which has been going on this week, of course, because we have aircraft on aircraft carriers, amazingly. Well, actually, sorry, fake news. We've always had aircraft on aircraft carriers. We've got jets on aircraft carriers. Yes. Uh, so it was a pretty momentous week in the programme, actually, with, um, uh, I don't know whether I've mentioned it here, but in programme terms, getting those jets to land on the carrier within the week that we said was going to happen back in 2012 was the program equivalent of putting a, a man on the moon because of everything that had to happen. You know, there were integrated test force jets, so instrumented jets from Patuxent River, which is one of the F-35 test bases, flown by Brit pilots. Um, and clearly in the, uh, in the weeks before, Queen Elizabeth had to navigate hurricanes and all sorts of things um, in order to get the right place at, at the right time. And they've just been thrashing through the, uh, the trials um, and everyone's got a massive smile on their face when, uh, you know, when you a seeing the jets back on board again, but b seeing how easy it is compared to uh, the days that Dunk will remember of snake fighting in the cockpit and trying to find the only spot on the uh, on the <laughs> deck to uh, to parallel parking. Now that's a good point, actually, isn't it? Because um, you, both, am I right in thinking both of you guys have operated off carriers? No, Dunk has. I never did. I uh, had a nosebleed. On the day, so um, <laughs> I just want to go back a second though, before we go any further, just to say, right, hang on, you know, I, I'm got as I get it, there was a lot of moving parts, but I'm not sure that I can put up with you comparing it to landing a man on the moon. Well, I'm sorry, I think it's a step too far, man. I'm not sure, but I mean, all the all that so need... I said the program equivalent, I didn't say it was the same as, yeah, and and you've <laughs> got to remember, shoot them into space first, <laughs> and you've and you've got to remember, all that was required for landing a man on the moon is for Stanley Kubrick to make a film and pretend they landed a man on the moon. <laughs> Bit of conspiracy theory here. Yeah, I, I, that's, that, that, that's what I heard. You need to get your other <laughs> podcast mates in, JB, for that. that conversation. <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, Dunk, tell me, just tell me a little bit about what carrier life is like, because I don't think we've ever touched that. Obviously, you, you guys are all land-based, but no, not so much you. Uh, I, I, I thought it was fantastic, actually. It was just, in terms of aviation experiences, um, to be honest, nothing comes close to uh the the, the precision <laughs> well that's true yeah your supersonic um is uh it, it beats all things of course the uh you've gone supersonic nothing's happened except the speedos ticked over um i'm only envious but the um you know the, you know, the, the precision that's required from everyone uh, the guys that are taxing you on the deck, there's so little space. They're ta- you have to follow their direction. I mean, normally, 
people marshal you, but you kind of go, well, I know where I'm going. And you sort of put yourself on the spot pretty much. But the guys that are marshalling you on the boat are marshalling you within centimetres of other aircraft. So you have to follow their direction absolutely precisely. Everything is that level of precision. And then, of course, you sit looking off at, at the end, which is the boat's only 600 foot long, which sounds like what the old one, like, what, the old one um, uh, and uh, which it sounds quite big but we we sort of pulled into Luca in Malta at one point um and uh we you know the thing was anchored up and it was next to one of these cruise liners the cruise liner was about three times the size it wow. made it look like a toy so you line up on the end of the deck and then you know power up and then you know just go right well here we go throttle forward and uh, and throw yourself off the uh, off the end of the deck uh, and it's just the most phenomenal experience doing that and then coming back. And when you come back to arrive on the aircraft carrier, that 600-foot uh, boat looks tiny. You've probably heard it before or read it before. But you're coming back down, and it looks the size of a matchbox. And you think, flipping heck, I've got to land on it. So <laughs> it, it, re it really is a um, – it concentrates the mind in every way. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. It was uh, a brilliant experience to, to fly off and back onto the, uh, the aircraft carrier. Now, the – Yeah, I heard, it, I heard JB a great – or read a great phrase once, and it was – I think it was from an F-14 pilot, and it was talking about night carry landings because, Oof. I mean – F-35 is a big game in that it's got lots of thrust. It's it's easy to land on the deck, so it takes a lot of those heartbeats away that that people have used in terms of uh, of getting jets on air, on the onto aircraft carriers. And um, the uh, hang on, someone's just passing me something. But uh, yeah, so the phrase was that landing this F-15 on the uh, the deck at night was like turning the lights off in a room with a stamp on the floor, falling over and trying to lick it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. The, um, the, the, one of our friends uh, that is a guy called uh, Jez Attridge. He's, uh, he went and did an exchange tour uh, and was flying F-14s. Uh, so cat and trap. So it was F-18, sorry. So F-18s, yeah. cat and traps of uh, American carriers. And he tells a really good story, which I'm just going to replicate now because it's, uh, it's worthwhile, of his first time doing that. Um, and he'd landed. So he'd landed on the carrier. He was all sweaty and like flipping it. That was hard work. And he was being taxied, as I described, by the, the you, you follow the, the uh, we call them the chockheads, uh, the guys that, uh, that, that marsh you to the absolute letter. But the nose of the F-18 was pretty long. And he was taxiing him what looked like over the side of the oh. carrier. So uh, he kept. So Jez just kept stopping. So he's stopping and, and and you know shaking his head like I'm not going any further. And the chockhead was pointing at him, you know, like you, and then giving him the sign to move forward. And Jez just kept saying no. And eventually Jez got onto the. Uh, 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 and so the chockhead then started giving him another sign, which was a closed fists going up into uh, to in hand into his other hand, um, and he and he was taking that fist out of the other hand. And uh, in the end, Jez didn't know what that was. So he called the Flyco, the guy on the bridge, and said, you know, sir, I taxied forward. Uh, I don't know what the guy wants. He's putting a fist into his other hand and pulling it out. And, and I'm not sure what that means. And the guy said, son, it means take your head out of your ass and follow his instructions. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. So we're... Yeah, he had a yeah, he had he had another brilliant story on that one as well. So uh, you know, say that it was the Enterprise that he landed on, 
Um, so they were doing these sort of Sorry, hot changes. God, uh, God is what's the fact about the Enterprise? Ooh. I've told you this. Have we covered this before? I have... Captain Kirk's is, is, flagship. Is it different to the others? It is. It's the only ship in its class. It's not a Nimitz class vessel. It's an Enterprise class ve- class vessel. He's so a spy. It, yeah, he definitely is a spy. There you so go. It, it, Sorry, mate. It could have been that one. So that was the Enterprise that he landed on. Uh, they ended up, another guy was then going to do the cat shot. So they, they changed. Jez gets out, the jet goes off, and he stood there with his helmet bag, wondering where the hell to get off the flight deck. And he, he walks through this door, and, and you know, he's got, a, he's got his Brit Union Jack on his helmet, and, he, he's, uh, and he's carrying a, he's got different rank stripes on, and he's carrying this, uh, his helmet bag with a big Union Jack on the side. This guy said, sir, can I help you? And he went, this is the USS George Bush, isn't it? <laughs> he went, sir, you're on the wrong aircraft carrier. Well, really? He actually got handled around the place before he went, no, I just landed in an F-18. I'm supposed to be here. Really? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me be clear. Did he, did he actually get an aircraft carrier? No, he was uh, pretending to. In a, in very, a very good. Love that. Love that. Sense of human way and uh, <laughs> almost close to the side of a shot for being a spy. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Ooh, God. <clears throat> so we've got we've got flyers as you've before. Where have they been gone? Have they been embedded on American ships doing that job, waiting to come back to the UK? Yeah, exactly that. We've had um, for a while. It's called the Long Lead Specialist Skills Program, where from air traffickers to uh, pilots, deck handlers, you know, the chalkheads that uh, uh, that Dunk was just talking about, and various other people, actually, from logistics and, and all sorts of engineers, different walks of life on the carrier, um, have been embedded in within U.S. carriers so that we didn't forget how to do it. So when Queen Elizabeth turned up the first time and we set sail, there were actually a lot of highly trained people on board so that ultimately when the first f-35 landed last week they knew exactly what they were doing and it wasn't a shock amazing so stuff. um it, it, it's been a, a you know it's been a really a massively useful program and uh, you know there's people with a huge amount of carrier experience um we're putting 35 onto the ship and uh, into the sort of um uh, development program as well so it's been good well, I'm going to continue the theme with carrier carrier aviation. Because Marky, very quiet. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to bring Pog. Might have gone. I'm, I'm going to bring Poggy back off. now, actually. Asleep. But um, I've been reading. He flew F4s though, so he can tell us about F4 carrier landings. Well, that's yeah. a, that. That is. Yeah, a... they were the aircraft. The 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 one thing I had from a um, uh, it was an F18 driver who was dangerous, and. Uh, he, uh, his little kid, jumped into a swimming pool and he couldn't swim. And he goes, hey, my son's a naphod. And it was like, well, what is that? What are you talking about? And it, I don't know if you ever heard of this expression in America, but it was in their flying reports and it was no apparent fear. of. Uh, and they would write it at times, night landings. You know, the boys weren't exactly nailing it. And they essentially nearly died and crashed. But the pilots were kind of like, yeah, that one was all right. And that went on their reports as... Oh God, we've got a naphod. Did that come out for everyone else? Did that come out No, you missed the last bit. No apparent fear of death. No apparent fear of death. Wow. And he came out. That is genuinely a you know a report or an abbreviation that was written on your sort of night landings. 
Well, did you have any Nafod moments there at Dunk? Uh, no, my ears went pop for night landings, but uh, the no, I, I I don't think so. I think I uh, was relatively careful. I think. Well, I well, I'm I have just, to ask someone else. I'm 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 just going to move this on slightly because I've done some reading this uh, this week. Oh, actually, last week. I can't remember the book, but uh, it is effectively the setup of Top Gun and how the uh, the U.S. Navy the weapons school or the movie. Uh, no, the actual flight school. So it was taking it was taking the lads off the carriers after they got a, you know a pretty rough time over Vietnam, establishing a flight school, and then the quite astounding success after that. And most of it was done in well F fours. Yeah. Silence. Yeah. yeah silence. I mean, silence. I think you're right, JB. It was uh, you know with the advent of air to air, you know the. the Art of dogfighting and certainly, you know, guns kills. Some of the some of the phantoms didn't have a. They just, they just relied on you know either radar guided or heat seeking missile. But I think that the um, the kills were were very poor and the uh, the the weaponry and the you know air combat skills had been lost. So that's why they introduced the you know Top Gun just to uh, to, to raise the game. When we went to Farnborough, we spoke to uh, a graduate, didn't we? And he, yes, we did. he said. You know the, the exact same thing. He frantic. said, "Yeah, frantic." He said, um, "You know that it was guns combat, effectively, wasn't it? They were uh, th- that they were teaching. I, I guess there was some missile stuff in there, but it was the oh, there was loads of missile stuff. stuff. Yeah. So, so one of their biggest problems was they were firing their missiles outside of the capability of the missile. So it 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 was a, it was a spiral. And the other thing that they didn't realize as well is spirals weren't meant to come back on." Sh- so they'd fly off with these things, and they weren't changing them for God knows how long. They weren't overhauling them. So when they were firing them, they simply weren't, weren't working. Yeah, go with that. Go with that. I've, 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 just, look at, I've just looked at it's something I did, had read before, actually. It was the ALT report, A-U-L-T. Uh, and it says in 1968, the commander of the USS Coral Sea aircraft carrier, Frank Alt, drew up a report on the situation that you've just described, JB. Mm. And the problem areas were deployment of the F-4, ranging from faults in its Sparrow and Sidewinder missiles to poor aerial combat skills of its pilots. Yeah. Um, among his many recommendations was the creation of a new school specialising in aerial combat. There you go. Mm. So when they taught these lads and they taught them air combat skills... One of the things which I really enjoyed was how they would take the F-4 to the absolute edge. And they've got this great description of basically pointing it up. Now, you, I, I'm, I'm going to be laughed at here. But pointing up and then waiting for it to come back down. So you've bas- you're basically falling downwards with smoke coming out of your, coming out of your air, in, air intakes. Uh, has um, has anyone tried anything... Area. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone tried anything similar, uh, similar to that in training or el- or else? What was what was the uh, what was their what their outcome? What did they? Why did they want to do that? They wanted to teach teach the pilots to fly the aircraft right to the edge of its capability, and also teach them that they can recover from stuff. Right. So they I think took I'm pretty much the in every airplane that I've been in. Yeah. So they took. So I guess, guess from what you're saying because. Um, if you're describing a tail slide and then jet and jet engines don't like that, they don't like air going in the other way, hence the smoke coming out the intakes. Yes. Uh, and I've been in that situation as well. But the, uh, I, I guess, you know, they have, um, they're taking them past the limit so that they know where that limit is. And as you say, showing them that they can then recover from it. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that is that it does give you confidence in your aeroplane. Um, we used to do that in the hand, didn't we, in terms of the moving the nozzles and slow loops and viffing and doing all those sorts of things where it, as I did most of the time, if you didn't get it right by taking, you know, by it was stuffing the stick forward, wasn't it, to take all the alpha off the aeroplane. If you had any alpha and any side slip when you were using those nozzles, that thing used to just cartwheel around the skies with flames coming out of the intake. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, what was funny was I remember going off on, I think it was, it, it was Exercise Purple Star back in the... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 90s on the east coast of the US. And um, we had a, a, a familiarization day. And I went off with uh, Pete Squires, actually. And we went off and it was a slow loop competition. I think I, I learned more about that aeroplane on that day than any other day's flying, where I just kept screwing it up. Then, it, then I'd get a bit better and you just got more and more confident about you know how slow you could pull up into a loop and then using the nozzles and your feet and your hands and everything to then get it back down the other side which in combat paid dividends when it was you were, when you're you, in trouble you, you could pull up and then you pull up into the exactly as you would des- you described there jb mm. but as it hit 100 knots so 100 knots speed creasing most you know um aircraft at that point there there's only one way that they're going and that's that the the nose will just drop out the sky aerodynamically they they can't fly anymore so they just plummet um and then they recover at some point but in this case with the harrier you could then start to ease in the nozzles and the aircraft would then rotate around the nozzles and you'd have to move the stick almost fully forward as as Goddard was saying so that the angle of attack of the air over the wing didn't increase too much and then it would depart but if you got it right and uh, a friend of ours taught me how how to do these a guy called johnny earl you could as Goddard was saying you could get this thing to loop in the most ridiculously small um uh, height 
uh, amount of height and and also it, very very slowly it would be sort of over the top at 70 or 80 knots and then you yeah. could point it downwards and pull the nozzles into what we call the braking stop and then increase the power again and it would be spiraling down nose down still doing about I don't know, 100 knots. So it was just a, a, an amazing aeroplane. Bloody hell. You know, when, you, when you learn to handle it properly, it's an incredible things. Parky, um, when, you, when you were flying to tornadoes, because they're you know, interceptors, they're not really dogfighters, how important was actually learning the old air, uh, air combat manoeuvres like, uh, like the guys were doing at Top Gun? Yeah, I mean, still the same. You, you could get involved in other VID and, and identification so you couldn't fire you know missiles at range you had to essentially go to the merge report what you were seeing and you know you might not get clearance to engage you might just never get it so you know you essentially you're committed to to hitting the merge and turning and as you mentioned you know the, the tornado wasn't exactly suited for that but you still had to do it and uh it was, it was all right you know it was i fought against harriers with the tornado and if it was clean it was it was quite a good fight Without doubt, you know, God's and I will bang on, but the F-16 when I on to that was a game changer. Because really? It was, just, it, it, was, it was ridiculously agile. You know, it was at low level, sustained 9G, like the, like the Eurofire Typhoon will now. And it's built just ridiculous amounts of agility and, and turning. And the, the thing that drives home to me, you know, with missiles, even if you had fairly capable air-to-air -air missiles on a F-16 versus F-16 visual engagement, I would say almost all the fights ended. If there was any kill, it would be a gun's kill. That wow. was the shot you generally would get. And the weaponeering that you were taught, you know, how to get a decent gun's kill on the, uh, particularly on the F-16, it was an amazing gun, was, uh, was brilliant. And, you know, my... Parky, Yeah. Did you... Because uh, I learned, especially with the USAF, when I, I went through, you know, so I, I became what's terms a pairs lead. You can um, lead a two ship around, then you can lead a four ship around. And then very quickly, I went into a, a squadron instructor pilot workup where I was absolutely thrashed. It was the hardest course I've ever done where you had to replicate, for example, a dogfight on the whiteboard. And that had to look like... Um, a God's eye view of what you had just flown. And you had to do a lot of these from memory. You'd watch the radar tapes and everything to try and reconstruct them, even to the point of managing your board space so that all five, six or seven engagements were on the same board in the right direction with the right alpha on the aeroplane. That was amazing. But I learned so much about air-to-air -air combat, about basic fighter maneuvers on that. Was it the same for you, even though you already had 2,000 hours on, on F4s and Aries? Yeah, I mean, you know, debriefs, as you say at the time, you'd obviously look at the uh, the HUD film, but that would, wouldn't would really give you, you know, maybe the lessons learned and, you know, you can use the range and the pods and you can get it all, all from that. But, yeah, it was one of those skill sets, wasn't it? You know, you had to be able to draw up, and I think the pens were 3,000 foot, so you, the turn radiuses were all right. And, you know, it was a bit painful, I think, you know, recalling it, but definitely a good instructor could, quickly draw what he saw that fight bring out the lessons and you know where you won or lost etc and and that was good you know that was definitely a, a difficult thing to learn i think yeah, it's a real sort of science in why you're doing certain things that you have to understand but then is complete art when you go out and just see a situation and react and try and do the right thing yeah i can only imagine by reading this book that the only way you can get pilots to a sufficient standard 
is hours is hours in the. I, I can't see any cheap way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, actually, you've hit the nail on the head, JB, in all sorts of ways, and we could go on to uh, all sorts of ranting about flying training systems. And uh, the problem is, people have wanted to make them cost less and be more efficient. And uh, sadly, when you want a military flying training system, um, if you want pilots to be able to perform um, and be the best, then uh, it, it's not a cheap way of doing things. Um, and we've kind of learned that the hard way. And, and so what you're talking about there, we talk about actually, even now, uh, for people going through Valley and some of the BFM, so the, the basic fighter maneuvers that the guys are taught, everything is very canned, it's very set up, and they they see something um, that is uh, that, that, that's very, uh, they, they'll see the same thing time and again. And the difficulty is that actually that f uh, fluidity that you're talking about and the ability to then assess something, and as God has said, for it to be um, an art effectively, that you... You realize something different's happening there, and then you maneuver your area to try and combat what's happening. Mm. Um, and, and as you say, there's there's no uh, substitute for for actually just going and flying it and flying it and flying it. So, yeah. Dunk, how does that compare to you know what you just did in America, looking at you know virtual training and essentially doing everything in sims? Well, so the American the the America um, gig was it was really interesting. We went for for two things, as I mentioned before. The first thing was the pilot training next thing, and that was vert. So there, it's it's a trial. So it's not part of their um, their set flying training system. They're trialing uh, using virtual reality um, and Texan aircraft, which are turboprop aircraft, and they are looking at reducing. Uh, the time through training uh, the, it's an experiment and at the moment they the the kind of time that people will spend so a pilot going into flying training they'll go into the uh, into the system and they'll come out having done about 230 hours in about a 15 month period um, and then they will go on to their f-16 um, uh, ftu which is their, uh, their uh, what they call fighter training unit goddess yeah, correct. Yeah, so um, so they they'll go off to their their FTU after that. What they're looking at because America is so short of fighter pilots, the same as the UK, uh, they are looking at uh, going right in six months. We're going to use virtual reality. We're going to train these guys by doing um, many hours of virtual reality. They're still in a Texan turboprop. They'll do thirty hours of live flying. So they're now saving 200 hours. They don't get to fly uh, the jet that we described before, the T-38. They don't do that. They then go directly to the F-16. Now, my gut feeling is that that at the moment is a step too far. There are so many elements that that trainee pilot would then be missing. Uh, but there is a lot of um, huge potential uh, to use those systems and that virtual reality system to fill gaps that at the moment are not being are not being filled. So it's a very exciting project. And I hope that the uh, we hope that they will be involved in it and continue it forward with the U.S. Air Force to uh, to develop it further. Those guys out there, they've got they're looking at biometrics. They're looking at absolutely. It's a bit like a Formula One team where they're you know looking at marginal gains, and so they they look at everything and they they assess everything. They've got NASA coming in to now bring biometric um, testing uh, into the into the system. 
Um, so it's it's a very inter it's a really I've probably said interesting far too too many times, but it is it's a fascinating uh, project and a fascinating trial, uh, and that's how they are uh, that they're using that at the moment. But one of the things, just as an aside, just to kind of ask you, answer your question, Parky, that they can't um, they can't do any of that um, that combat training in the Texan as you would want to. So they've they they put in some of the systems. They made them F-18s, and they gave them a radar. And they gave them a, a quick said, right, this is how you use the radar on, on this system. It's you know like a computer game, uh, and they said, right, now that you know a little bit about it, you're going to defend the target. You've got four F-18s with radar capability, and the instructors are going to be in non-radar aircraft, and they're going to come in and try and hit the target, and you've got to stop them. Um, and apparently the boys did remarkably well, you know, with the having used this virtual reality kit a little bit and being able to manipulate then the radar and the uh, the systems that this virtual aircraft had. They did really well. So, again, you know, there's there's real uh, potential there. Well, it, Doug, that, that reminds me of um, it was one of the trials that I was trying to do. We never actually got it off the ground in uh, in F-35 where we'd go and get a bunch of gamers who are you know used to uh, you know whatever game system they're used to playing you know whether it's call of duty or a, or a flying game um and just give them an f-35 cockpit and tell them off you go and see how they fight it just yeah. to see if there's something that you know the way we're taught the way you know for almost 30 years for us of flying around the place is ingrained. Therefore, it's it's difficult to try and innovate and do something different. Just if there was something missing, especially with F-35, where all of the sensors, the situational awareness that you get from it, that you might be able to do something completely different that it is not something that we do during training. And I'm not talking about you know how you fly the aeroplane. It's how you use the aeroplane um, to defeat other uh, to it defeat other aircraft so i think that'd still be a really really interesting thing to do you know in a sort of de declassified sim just to get a bunch of people in who are used to doing that sort of stuff um and see what they get up to uh, yeah hey god how how good is the f-35 sim i mean it, it can you essentially you do sims and then you, you know there's no two seaters so you then just obviously jump in the jet and off you go but is the sim good for kind of close formation for all, all of that generic yeah. flying well as the operating it yeah it is good actually as you'd expect that there's two different types of sim there's the full mission simulator which it's almost a little fairground right to get into it where you get into the cockpit you press two buttons at the front and it motors into this reasonably small but 360 degree dome you know so essentially a sphere hmm. and and then it's all projected on the inside so the Fidelity is really good, and obviously you have a full 360-degree view uh, when you're in there. There's another type of sim called the DMRT, the Deployed Mission Retrainer, which is um, JB. Do you understand what I mean when I say an ISO container? You know, so just yeah, a, a shipping container. Just, 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 in fact, yeah. you know exactly what exactly. a shipping container is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a shipping container, and within that shipping container, there are two little mini sims and an instructor console in the middle. It's pretty tight there. But you go and sit in. It hasn't got the full 360, but it's still pretty awesome. You know, you've got the helmet on and you can fly as a pair. You can plug, you know, two of these together. And that's exactly what we're doing on the Queen Elizabeth class carriers. So I think the very first time that aircraft carriers will have simulation aboard, which is brilliant because 
it doesn't negate the need to go out and do deck landings, but it means that you can do sort of high-end flying, you know, do all of the stuff that you would do in an F-35 in, in the aircraft hangar on the ship in two ISO containers flying as a four-ship, which is utterly brilliant and so is, is really groundbreaking stuff. But it is a great sim. So you can do all of that, uh, you know, all of those things that you talked about. But the thing that we're always looking for is where's the sweet spot, as Dunk said, you know, to get good at all these things in, a, in, in the real, in, not in the real world, in an ideal world, you just, you, we'd go off and do what you do in a Spitfire. You'd fly all the time. So, I mean, blimey, mate, I guess you don't even have to think when you get in a Spit or do what you do taking people around the, the White Cliffs of Dover and, and those sorts of things. But someone who had done all of their training in a simulator and then gets in it for the first time is suddenly going to have that heartbeat issue, might not, you know, weather, fuel, the, the, the feeling you get when you're running out of fuel, the diversions are closed, you've got to come up with a plan, etc. How do you replicate all of those things? And what is the best mix between simulation and live flying? Yeah. Uh, and there's, uh, the, the science behind it is really difficult because every single person is different. Mm. Now, now, I'm just going to give a quick shout out. There is a uh, Twitter account called Think Defense, which I frequently look at. And the reason I'm going to shout out is because everything on there is containerized. It is almost an account dedicated to how you can fit things into ISO containers. I think defense is good, actually. That is a good read for any uh, aviation or defense geeks out there. That's yeah, why I get is. most of my intel. Um, a quick one. Hey, listen, just before we go on, we've been sort of dancing around. Uh, you know, yes. J JB sort of, uh, I don't know why, you know, there's been a little bit of uh, pottering <laughs> around on eggshells. But, um, you know, that second thing that I, I mentioned, I just think it's worth, you know, we're running out of time. That's right. Uh, we've only got 10 minutes, actually, haven't we? Park, yeah, Parky's got to. Got, got, he's on a promise or something, I, and uh, and so um, there was just you know a, a, another time that I, I saw Parky, um, which was um, it was actually in a magazine. I'm surprised yeah, I'm to see. Dunk, so, uh, it's been um, great. so well, just just hang on a second. Um, the you know suddenly uh, the the face of the Battle of Britain um, is Parky. You know, uh, and so he's wearing an Irvin flying jacket, um, and um, he is now the new face of the uh, of the Battle of Britain's sort of iconic jacket, the Irvin flying jacket. Yeah. Well, the the amazing thing about that picture, which is the only thing which wasn't from the original Battle of Britain, was actually that jacket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is true. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, Goddard was uh, was saying rightly that. Um, that it's a shame that you don't have uh, a social media account, Parco, because there was some fantastic banter. Our friend Christian Gleave was uh, <laughs> uh, was particularly uh, accurate when he uh, he pointed out that it, it was uh, it was like putting um, uh, new polish on an old boot. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do wonder, Parco. In fact, the picture that got sent to us on the uh, on uh, Twitter was from Athel Forbes at Strangely Happy. And it says, Lordy opened up the November at Flypass Mag, and Parky is also now a model. <laughs> Hashtag movies next. And there's a little elbow up in front of a spit with a Irvin jacket on looking. But, um, and even with, have you got your glasses on there as well? Yes, I've got my glasses. Yes. So, you got, you like, it, it, it's the exact look. It's the, it's the fresh face look of the Battle of Britain, isn't it? Yeah. It so, is. Yeah. 
So look at that, and the, and the, the, and that Irvin matches his hair as well. He wanted a younger generation. Parky's the man, isn't he? Yeah. So two things struck me about uh, uh, first of all, do you remember a phone call I gave you? Oh. I just done it, and I thought, oh god, oh god, maybe maybe it's just going to be for a handout, and nobody will see. And uh, and anyway, yeah, I think it's in the REF Centenary Yearbook, and I thought, oh, oh. god, <laughs> oh this isn't this is going to well end for me, Dunk. And uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, right. there it is. I can't tell you how delighted I was, Parky. I mean, I've got to say, did you get a free jacket? No. What? Oh, you're such a liar. I didn't. Did I you didn't. not? No, it was did just you that. This for free. This was between you know six trips, quick. Oh, this the aviation leather, leather craft. I think of there. Uh, you know, click click. I got a little carried away. I accept that. You know, <laughs> thanks for the moment. That's <laughs> a bit tight of them. So they advertise their jacket with the legendary Anthony Parkinson. Hang on, how much do they pay you, Parky? They didn't even give you a jacket. No, it took about ten minutes, and then I went and flew again. Thought nothing <laughs> more about it until I needed to call you. Oh, <laughs> see, my word. See, Dunk nailed it at the beginning. This is the issue, Parky. You are flying too much. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've got, I've got to say, the lack of self-awareness in these photos is, quite frankly, staggering. And the thought that you... To think you wouldn't have got caught uh, caught up on this again, staggering. Have you ever seen David Brent's album cover? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, do you remember those uh, those shots we did when I was on the Reds and we did a full set? And some people was there, yeah. And I was deck and did the whole thing. You sort of uh, lying on the desk with my feet up and stuff. I thought it was horrendous. Very yeah. good though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, anyway. Hey, mate, the other thing is, is your hair is well out of crosswind limits in those photos. It was. It was the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Gordas, have, have, have you... This is your part of the podcast where you've queued up questions. But the fact that you forgot we had a podcast, does that mean that you haven't queued up any questions? No, it means I've just had to go back to questions that we haven't got to previously. Perfect. Perfect. So what are our questions? Right, here's one from uh, Dad Goggles which I think is a great name. Um, oh, look. It's as if I planned this. Just listen to the brilliant pilot episode pod. That's one Stop of our listeners. Well done. Um, talking with things produced by the military, is, and there's a picture down here, is this sky hook for, being harri- for harriers being tested on the side mm. of carriers right now? What? Sorry now, to describe the picture, though, Godders, because otherwise it doesn't make much sense, does it? <laughs> well, there's a picture of uh, it's an old, I guess that's a T4N, isn't it, or a, whatever they used to call it, a T8N, a Sea uh, Harrier Twitter being lifted. In fact, no, is that the original? I'm just, I'm just reading the caption on it, which is good radio, obviously. Uh, it's good. It's great. This is brilliant. I think it was. It it's was one of the, the best questions sky. you've ever done. Great, great point. The original Skyhook, which is a large crane arm with a hook on it. And so instead of having to land your jet, you just turn up underneath it and uh, it grabs you out the sky like one of those things in, um, in the arcade where you try and grab stuff. That does make, a, ridiculous. That does make that a lot of sense. Why did, it, why did we not use it? Because it's ridiculous. Why? <laughs> Mental. Right, Tell me, that, why is it ridiculous, Parky? I'd love to know why. Why well, is it ridiculous? Well, because I guess the hook, as it sort of grabs you, would probably damage a fair amount of the aeroplane. Uh, Unless you put big sponges on it. 
Well, I mean, it depends what it's grabbing. I mean, you would have thought, wouldn't you, that an arrest would rip off the aft fuselage, but it doesn't. Yeah, so this is my point about innovation. The reason, Parker, you think it's ridiculous is because you've landed aeroplanes on their wheels most of the time in the uh, in the last 60 years or however long you've been flying. No, it is ridiculous. Well, it hasn't exactly caught on, has it? <laughs> ex- ex- excuse the pun. Only because you refuse to test things like that. I'm all up for it. You saw it. You remember Winkle Brown landed with no gear on a rubber deck? Yes. He, he accepted that was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> after he, he, after he, he did it a hundred times. Yeah. I think that's no, a very I, smart idea, that. So the Wasn't answer there, is no. I, Dunk, were you on the ship? I heard a, a story of, of one of the guys who'd... Um, it was either lost an outrigger, so one of the out... Um, rigger wheels on a Harrier oh. on uh, on takeoff or it wouldn't come down so uh, you know he held in the overhead whilst they had to think about it. and apparently they then they went down to a couple of the cabins lashed a load of mattresses together um, and then put it on the flight deck so that he could come down and you know it would rest on the side of these things obviously as soon as he started coming down this thing just blew off the side of the ship <laughs> <laughs> well there is quite a good video isn't there of a, a u.s marine harrier coming down without a nose without his nose gear yeah, yeah. Well, it was uh, terry parker who took off on an air test at wittering and um as he stowed you know the, the short takeoff so paul believer leapt into the air the, the wheel fell. bounced off. <laughs> the yeah. main wheels bounced off in front of him. Um, it but, happened twice. You know, I was on the OCU at the time. Yeah, I knew it was around that, that sort of time that we were going through. Yeah. It was a great jet, wasn't it? Yeah, things just falling off. <laughs> really. but, then, but then there wasn't a snag with him putting it down, Parco. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Lovely. Uh, yeah, wheels. Right, we've got three minutes before Parky goes. So next question. Um, talk amongst yourselves at the moment. I'm just looking at because there's so many pictures of parking. Well, you have on a look, here. God. I'm just going to say one more thing, which I was so. The other thing that I went to, uh, which was marvellous uh, just last weekend, was um, LLA Day, which is Links Lanks Association Day at. Uh, you get an invite. At, uh, at Coningsby. Because it was Millie who took over from me. It was his last day three years ago on Saturday when I handed over to him and Flipper Neck, he's handing over to uh, Disco now, so uh, Mark what's Disco what's is going to take over. Yeah, he's Stay been here. the best boss ever. <laughs> what? Best boss. Much ever. Yeah, he was, he was much better than the old guy. Yeah, I know, yeah, he was an idiot. <laughs> but it was low. it was great to see the aeroplanes again. I hadn't been back there for some time, so I, either, I understand you were there, Parky, but you literally sort of danced in and danced out again. Uh, to sort of, yeah, half hour, said, said uh, you know, good luck to Millie, and, uh, and then I saw the in the car park and beat it. <laughs> 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 was there an Irvin jacket in the cockpit of said rubbish car? <laughs> I did a quick modelling in it, looked good, and, uh, and went home, yeah? Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking through these pictures here. This Skyhawk is quite frankly genius. I can't believe that you've rubbished it. See, I'm with you, JB. So, and this is what this is my whole point about innovation. It's not going to happen with a bunch of old men who've been doing the same thing. For no, I, I'm also going to point. They did, but the point, you, you boys, you've lost it. They, they did innovate it, and I'm they not, went, it doesn't work. I'm also going to point. It's not like yeah, yeah. All, all this is innovation. It's not. They innovated it. They found it didn't work. They did it. So, I actually think, right? Retards. It's That's the cleverest thing you've ever said, mate. It's it's one thing to grab a Harrier out the sky, right, and throw it on, you know, throw it on a destroyer or what have you, like demonstrating on, on these pictures. Limited utility, but imagine an F thirty five with all those sensors and all the data fusion. I mean, that's actually really useful. I don't know why. 
I'm all for well, not, out, but that's silly. Anyway, anyway, so, um, I, I think we've run out of time, but I did. It's not a question, but I would like to um, to uh, read out what uh, Mark Welsh, young frog. Um, at Flap 62, I uh, know what he's thinking there. Um, but uh, at Pilot Episode Pod, listening to Episode 5 and enjoying it, fellas, which we know getting a, uh, a compliment from Frog is always, um, it, it's a lottery. Thank yeah. Okay. Um, which, he then, which he then covers in the, uh, in the next sentence. Strange to hear that Dunk was recommended F3 from TAC Weapons. <laughs> I say strange because exactly the conclusion we came to on A-Flight on the OCU. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you my reply? Oh no! Hang on, I, I have to do some uh, some stuff on that. It, uh, I can't do that. It's swearing. Uh, it won't surprise you that, as a course on a flight, we came to the same conclusion: that you'd be better suited to British Airways. That's very good, mate. <laughs> uh, but he's probably right. So yes. I guess we should wrap it up then. There then. So uh, you're dismissed. You may you uh, you may leave, and we'll we'll tie this this whole thing up. Awesome. Cheers, boys. Have Take, a lovely time, Parker. See you, mate. Whatever you're doing. Thanks for your lovely he's, time uh, he's, he's going to model another flying helmets. Of course he is. Of course he is. <laughs> oh, please let him be with one of those those caps with the fur inside, with the ears that flap down. Oh, Here. Those, no. Parker. Does anyone know? <laughs> Are you still there, Parker? We're talking about you. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> he's... he's you have to have a hair transplant and some Botox. Oh dear. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> Clear off. Uh, oh, can't, can't remember what I was going to say then. No, can't remember. Um, right, Go okay, so I guess the next time that we're all going to be together is going to be in Heathrow, is it? Ooh, no, yeah. I'm sure we could sneak in a quick one before then. I've uh, got so much more stuff to talk about on this one. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll write it all down, and we could do another one next week or the week after. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we, I mean, we can carry on now for a bit if you wish. No, it's all right. I, I'm gonna have to go, but the, um, but uh, I've written down a load of things that we could have speared off into. Oh. See, an hour is long enough. I'm sure we've managed someone's commute though. Yeah, well, we've, we've bang <laughs> on an hour, which is which is weird for us. Uh, it's usually it a two-hour rumble. Um, okay, so let's all be together. Maybe is Heathrow. Maybe it's not. But when we're there, we will be testing the British Airways simulator. So thank you very much to them for lend, uh, lending, us, lending us that. It's the A380 sim. Uh, until then, you can get in touch with us at Pilot Episode Pod, which Godders diligently manages, and I ca- uh, occasionally dip, dip in. Uh, are, are you on that as well, Mason? Am I what? Are, are you on Pilot Episode Pod? Do you, do you have access to that? Yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, there you go. So yeah, you can get access to all of us there. Um, and if you've got any questions or you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anything like that please do so because it would be much appreciated but until next week when we uh, come to you again with more dits and random aviation bits and pieces uh, goodbye and we'll see you soon bye 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 even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.